Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Vadu, and I'm joined, as always, by Steve Wiss. Steve, my friend, how are you? Jonathan, this is uh, rather an unexpected pleasure, um, because I know you've got a very, very busy week ahead of you, um, getting packed for a trip to Sweden. But uh, yeah, I'm doing really well. Um, I, th- I thought it was certainly about time we had one of these episodes to round up um, matches that have been going on over in Norway, Sweden. There's been a ton of games, some lots of stuff to talk about. Um, so yeah, let's get cracking, mate. Hope you're doing good. Yeah, doing well. I'm ready. Uh, I've got my boarding pass and all that. So uh, the next time you hear my voice, should maybe we, if we may have an episode while I'm in Sweden, hopefully uh, I will be at Beckel Hacken and of course Jotobog this week but we'll talk about that in part two in part one we're going to discuss Norway and it's been a cracking week really I mean since we had the f- a free episode obviously we've, uh, we've we've been regular on Patreon the last few weeks with predictions and fantasy analysis as well but uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we had a free show we had the uh, interview with uh, Hugo Vicente at uh, Starbeck the assistant manager so if you haven't listened back to that then please have a little listen that was our most recent um, uh, free show and this week, we're going to round up some of the games going on in Norway and Sweden. And we're in the fourth round of Norway at the moment. So, uh, yeah, been a, it's been a couple of weeks. Steve, um, I'm going to just quickly run through the results in round three and round four, if that's okay. Of course, so yeah. Brand one, Wallerenga, sorry, brand three, Wallerenga one. This is last week, uh, 22nd of April. Then we had Arlison nil, Glimp three, Hamcam two, Godset nil, Rosenberg one, Sandefjord one. Sarsborg nil or nil or picking up clean sheets. Starbeck three, Haugerson nil, um, Tromsø one, Viking one, and then Lillestrøm beat Molde two one. Uh, and then that's been followed up this just weekend just gone. We've got a, sort of um, some teams have a double game week this week, which we did have a fantasy episode on our, on our Patreon uh, on Friday and talked about which chip you should use and you know the s- fantasy strategies. Um, but so far we've had Glimp two, Brand two. Uh, a great result for newly promoted brand there against the uh, against the mighty Glimt, and then on Sunday we had Haugesund nil, Salzburg nil. We had Molde two, Starbeck three. Huge surprise shock there. Champions beaten again. Sandefjord four, Arlesen nil, battering uh, Arlesen. Godset nil, Strums Godset. Tromsø one. Their run continues. They've been quite decent this season. Viking seven, uh, Hamcam three. That is a, a, a massive thrashing ten goal thriller. Uh, odd nil, Rosenborg nil, and then the game that we're going to talk about first, Steve, uh, Wallerenga against Lillestrøm. I'll let, I'll let you talk about that. That's just taken place today. Um, bit of a crackery. Well, Lillestrøm are the team to watch this season, it seems. That's two matches now. They've won 4-3, and both of them in the last, with literally the last kick of the game. Um, they're certainly a club to follow. They're actually in the Norwegian Cup final as well beat uh, Buda Glimp last week in the semi-finals of that. The cup final is an exciting one to look forward to. Lillestrøm against Bran. But yeah, this match was a Monday night special. We don't get many Monday night matches now in um, in Norway, in Elita Serien. used to be always a, a Monday evening game. But this was a, a special occasion because it's such a big derby. Some some people are saying it's the biggest game in Norway now. Lillestrøm against Volarenga. match was a sellout two or three weeks ago. Uh, not a spare seat to be had. And yeah, I mean, the first half was was wild. Uh, 3-1 lead for Volarenga. They looked good. And then there was a red card. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then the second half was always going to be if Lillestrøm could fight back. And it looked like Volarenga were actually going to hold on to win because they were still leading with one minute to go. And then, incredibly, two goals, 89th minute from Jermaine Arsen. And then Akor Adams pops up right at the death to nick the all three points for LSK. So, um Hell of a win for them against their big rivals. They're second in the table now with three out of four wins. Gut wrencher for Volarenga, uh, really was. Yeah, and uh, it was a really good goal as well to win it from Adams. Uh, if you, I think we tweeted it as well. We tweeted out the the, the clip of it and uh, a crazy game, Steve. The fans were going mad. You mentioned it's quite a big derby this one, and um, but yeah. Did it sort of go as you expected the match, or do you feel like that that shock late kind of um, comeback was unexpected? I know you said it hinged on that VAR decision and the, the red card, but did the game go as you sort of felt, or was the, was the game changed by the red? The game um, didn't go as I expected at all, because this fixture has become in recent years quite a tight game. 
you know. Um, historically, there was always a lot of goals in this one, but in the last sort of three, four years, it's been more low scoring. Anything can happen in a, in a derby game, though. And that's what I was watching this halfway through. And I was like, well, that's the explanation because it's just the way things go. Passions run high. When an early goal is scored in a fixture like this, it just opens things up completely. What was noticeable in the first half that Wallerenga are definitely a better technical side than Lillestrom, in my opinion. Um, Lillestrom's best technical player is Jermaine Arsene. And he came on at half time and made a big difference. But technically, Wallerenga are a lot better. Lillestrom are more physical, um, probably mentally stronger. And they've got, at this moment in time, I feel like Lillestrom as a club have got more bottle than, than Volarenga. But there's no doubt they were given a helping hand by this red card to Simon Euclid, which on the field, I don't even know if the referee gave a card. I think he gave a yellow. Um, if I'm not even sure there was a card given, but he was instructed by VAR to have a look at the monitor for a potential red. Now, I did tweet this out on the, on the NFP account, and there was a lot of different opinions about this uh, some were saying clear red some were saying definitely yellow my personal opinion is this is not a red card in Norway never has been but it will be now because this is the sort of decision which VAR is going to change an awful lot in in, in the elite Serien. tackles whereas before wouldn't have even been a card or, or or yellow will now be upgraded to red because it's kind of like a standard procedure I think VAR is almost making football more um, regulated across the globe where a red in South America is now a red in Norway. Do you know what I mean? Um, just the way things are going. Some will look at this challenge and think, yeah, that's a red. But you don't know Norway. You don't know the history of this league. It's it's a tougher league. People get on with it. You get stuck in. You can get away with stuff like this more historically, just the way it is. But not now. Um, you know, I don't know if you've seen the challenge or not, what your opinion is, Jonathan. For me, I don't think it's a red card. I don't think it can be. It needed to be overturned by VAR anyway. Uh, it's not clear and obvious. Yeah, I think it's a, quite harsh to be honest, actually. But I'm only looking at the VAR replay where it's slowed down and mm. you know, maybe in action. Um, ugh, you know, I'd have to look at it. I didn't see the game live, but just watching the replay from VAR, you know, from that point of view, it looks. I've seen ten times worse challenges than that in the Premier League in the last day or two. Um, yeah. That didn't get anything. So you mentioned it's a bit, a bit more regulated. I mean, we're four games in now uh, into the season. I know it's quite early, but in your opinion, uh, you mentioned there that kind of VR might regulate football a little bit more, make it more standardised, the refereeing. You just said that it's not, it's not that kind of league in Norway. People get on with it. How do you feel? What are your impressions so far of how it's changed the game? Do you, do you think then there's going to be more red cards, basically, in Elite Serien this season? Yeah, I believe that there's going to be about... Um probably a dozen more red cards this season as a result of VAR because the VAR will not rescind any reds, in my opinion, <laughs> that would have been wrongly given out before, unless there was a case of mistaken identity. So it's not going to go the other way at, uh, one bit. It's going to be how many red cards are upgraded from yellows or even nothing. And we've already seen, I think it's the fourth one now uh, that's gone to it might be more. I need to look at the stats. I think it's the fourth time VAR's got involved and in, in dished out a red. Um, a couple of them, to be fair, you couldn't argue with it, but I think this one's the first one I've looked at it and I thought, you know what, nah, not for me. So I think it's gonna this is it's gonna make a massive difference to how teams play in in this in, in the elite Serian now because you're not just think you're not just getting a red card, you're getting you know an automatic too much ban for this which might be more later in the season, VAR just completely changes the dimensions of play in nations where in the past there was a really high bar for stuff like red cards. So, yeah, it, it's a game changer in football. You know, it totally is. And around the world, this is going to be a theme, I think, going forward. Yeah, I'd love, I'm going to actually try and watch it live if you get a chance to do. But uh, in terms of the VAR replay, it seems. But you know, this is one of the issues, isn't it? With VAR, you slow anything down. You know, um, I could I could slap you. I actually saw an incident. I think it was in the Premier League where someone got um, <clears throat> a little slap in the face uh, in a jokey manner. But when they replayed it, it looked it made it look so bad. You know, compared to how it actually looked, because it's, when you slow it down, it just looks. You know, everything looks worse. I suppose. Um, I think the combination of Adams and Leonard Olsen, you know, they've started the season on fire. Mm -hmm. First goal, yeah. uh, they they combined. Obviously, Adams got two. I mean, how's how's that partnership looking? They're the best strike duo in the league. Simple as that. No, hands down. And I said this on the preview show. 
And I think people were underestimating Lillestrøm this season because of this. I saw quite a few predict them down as low as like fifth, sixth, even seventh. I mean, oh, I still might come to fruition if they lose Adams in the summer, which is quite possible. Certainly, he knows he's in the shop window. But right now, I mean, those two, you know, when you've got two brilliant strikers, and remember the coach has adapted the formation this season to fit them both in. He's gone from a 3-4-3 to a 3-5-2 just so he can because he knows that he has to get them both in the team, but they seem to link up really well together. There's no, you know, in the past, how you might like get an Andy Carroll and say, a, I don't know, a Michael Owen. I'm just using two players as an example. These two guys just kind of feed off each other. Adams can quite happily set up Olsen, but it can also be vice versa. It's like a genuinely proper partnership. They're a physical nightmare to deal with. Adams has got a really good turn of pace and Olsen's a really good, you know, mentally strong fox in the box. Meant, uh, and technically not too bad as well. So it's a fearsome combination. I'd hate to be facing that at elitarian level, these two. Who knows how far they can propel them? Maybe uh, they can get themselves a Norwegian Cup trophy and uh, get themselves a medal this year. Yeah, and just tell us who they're playing in the final. What's the, you know, when's that and what's the, how's that Norwegian Cup mm. final looking? Well, there's actually, I do believe there's going to be two Norwegian Cup finals this year. I think the the, the next uh, Norwegian Cup starts um, fairly soon again. Um, but yeah, in terms of this coupon, the final is on the 20th of May, which is a Saturday. Bran against Lerstrom. It will be at Ullevall Stadion in, um, in Oslo. So, I mean, two massively supported clubs. It's going to be a brilliant atmosphere. And, you know, what a story if either of them wins it, because both of course, were relegated to the OBOS within the last five years but and and come back, obviously brand more recently. So it's a real redemption tale for both teams. And um, you know, Europe's on the line. Whoever wins it will be in Europe as well. So it's a huge game for both teams. It really is. And um, I think it's going to be a real nip and tuck, tuck sort of contest, two confident outfits. And it's one of those games that, uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind going to that, I must say. Because um, I think the atmosphere yeah. will be amazing. Yeah, both sides of the two that we've talked about quite a lot in the preseason show as well. If you haven't listened to that, you can always go back on YouTube or Spotify and get our Elite Serian season preview. Every single team predicted uh, by Steve Wiss and where they'll finish in the league. Uh, Steve, I'm going to move on to a question that we've had from a listener. We actually, do you know what? I, uh, I tweeted about, does anyone have any questions for the podcast? And I think we had one question. And I've just come on it now again, and we've got we've got about 20 questions. So I don't think we're going to be able to get through all of them, actually. I've just, we've been bombarded. Uh, all of a sudden. Um, so thank you very much to anyone who asked the question. Um, we'll see if we can fit in a few, but uh, Andy Martin, FPL tactician, he said, is the Molder drop-off just unlucky or is there a change in their play this season? And in terms of that question, Steve, just looking at the table, and I believe Molder are in the bottom two, uh, very near the relegation zone. So uh, in fact, they are in the relegation zone and they are the reigning champions. Four games played, none one, one draw and three defeats. No wins this season. Steve, what is going on at Molder? <laughs> yeah, I guess we have to talk about Molder now, don't we? Um, they lost recently to Starbeck 3-2 at home. And um, you know, one point after four games. In fact, they're playing on Wednesday night against Arleson. It's a battle between the, the two bottom teams in the league. So, yeah, I mean, one thing I did say in the preview show is that last season they overachieved their XGA metrics. Massively. And I did say, what happens if it goes the other way this this year? And it kind of has, because I'm looking at the metrics now. They've got the second best average expected goals. But I think they've only scored how many goals? Three goals. Um, so, but, they're, but they're expected to score 1.78. Four, four goals. But they're expected per game to score 1.78. So they're under, underachieving there. And then actually at the other end of the field, they've got the best expected goals against average per game at 0.85. But they've conceded, well, at least one goal in every match. Um, yeah, so yeah, they're underachieving at the metrics. Usually these things will even themselves out. Um, so I think we, we will expect them to rebound. But two things I've noticed. I think offensively, <clears throat> you've got to ask, like, we just talked about Adams and Len Olsen there. I don't even know what at the moment what Mulder's best strike partnership is. I mean, Barish just come in and he just not he's not looked great. He's had a couple of niggling injuries. Wolf Eichram got sent off against Lillestrøm, but he 
I've said before, he's not a natural striker. Bryn Hildson is missing too many chances. He's the one that you could look at over the, the four games and think, yeah, he, he should definitely have at least two or three goals by now. And I know some people say, be patient with someone like this, but it's worrying when he's misfiring um, with easy chances. And then defensively, it's just like any mistake they've made has been punished. And that is the way football goes sometimes. Last season, any mistake they made wasn't punished. Or Karlstrom got in the way of it, made some good saves. This year, um, you know, and also there's been a couple of goals scored against them, which you could say, um, I mean, Casper Watts, her goal against them was, I thought, a splendid finish this week. I really did. Um, some might criticise the goalkeeper, but I don't think he's stopping that one. And uh, that's the way football goes. It's a small sample size of four games. They they will rebound, but it's just a question of when you start when you then get into this state, pressure can be applied both internally and externally, can't it? So how they're going to deal with that? You mentioned there in terms of the the defence and sort of leaking goals and the, the XG. I mean, <clears throat> they were your preseason tip to win the league. Have you seen enough to change that opinion or is it too early? I mean, it's there, like like I've said there, second from bottom, four goals scored in four games, seven conceded, one point. And they're, in, they're nine points now off Glimt already. I mean, okay, it's early days, but have you, you know, does that worry you? And should that worry more fans? Well, the team I predicted second and third was Buda, Glimt and Lillestrom. They're the top two right now. I mean, it's a massive concern. They're so far behind them. Already, it's almost. I've seen some people tweet out it's already too much for them to make up, and it may well be. They they now need other teams to kind of slip up a few times um, over the, the first half of the season. They just got to get themselves back on track. Obviously, they've got some big matches coming up soon, but it's a concern that if you look at the teams that they faced, they've only really faced one good team. Um, in in Lillestrøm, all right, you could say Rosenborg at home is. It's not, they're not a bad team either. But at home, you would expect Mulder to beat anyone. They're the favourites to beat any, every single team at home. So, yeah, but when you're losing fixtures to Tromso and Starbeck, that is that's a massive concern, even if you are unlucky. So I think at the moment, yeah, I, I don't see them winning the league after this start. They've got to become completely faultless again. They've got the, they've got the quality, they've got the depth. But um, this is going to be a really, really good comeback now from for Mulder if they uh, if they were to win the gold medal from here. Yeah, maybe the one positive for for Mulder fans uh, and those maybe playing uh, at least having fancy. Emil Breivik is, uh, is is performing quite well. The twenty two year old, he got a goal and assist at the weekend against Starbeck, but it was not enough. And uh, I think just a word on Starbeck because that's a decent mm. result for them. Yeah, and I'm going to praise Starbeck here. Actually, um, I, I think. Probably for the first hour, 70 minutes, they, they were lucky to be ahead. There's no doubt about it. They took their chances well. But Mulder, if they were more clinical last season, Mulder would have finished them off quite easily. But do you know what Lars Bohinen did the last 20 minutes, which I was really impressed with? He sensed the panic that Mulder had. And he knew that they they couldn't accept a two-all draw. They knew Mulder had to win the game. So he himself then thought, you know what? We can win the game too. We can catch them on the break while they're you know, over committing. And before Starbeck scored the winner, which was effectively the last kick of the game, it was a great finish. But they had had two, three, maybe four break breakaway chances, which I was like, you know what, this is dangerous. And I could sense it in the last 10, 15 minutes that Starbeck were not just here for the point, that they fancied they could get the three as well. So I think give a lot of credit to the manager that, that yeah, they were lucky to be in that position. But then... You know, when, once you are in it, you've got to take advantage of it. And um, rather than just set, set, set back and, uh, you know, accept a two-all draw and get deeper and deeper and deeper, yeah, they were actually looking to be on the front foot as well. So fair play to Starbeck. Good stuff. Let's move on to uh, arguably the game of the round, I suppose. Ten goals. Any game that has ten goals in it has surely got to be uh, considered game of the week. Uh, what has gone on here? Steve? Viking 7, Ham Cam 3. And to be fair to them, Ham Cam have... You know, started the season not too bad. I mean, two wins, two defeats. They, they went into this game, you know, looking fairly confident. They'd only conceded three goals in their first four games, this first three games, sorry, Steve. And now they've conceded seven in one game. Well, um, I, I can't fully comment on this game because I didn't watch the first half at all. Um, I was looked there, I looked at the statistics of the match at half time, and I thought I was going to follow it. Um, from a betting perspective, I was actually looking for a bit of in-running action. Um, 
before I knew it, Viking were 2-1 up, scored two goals in the first five minutes of the second half. And I watched it until the, I think it was like 65th minute when the game was 4-1 and it was game was over. And I thought, you know what, I, I'll turn my attention elsewhere. I don't know what happened after, four, after it went 4-1, not a clue. Um, it, it sounds like a few people were saying to me that Hamcam just completely panicked, overcommitted and just went searching for, you know, a way back into the game and they got punished. Viking taking every chance they had. I'd not even seen the actual, the rest of the goals. Apparently Mel Galvis's goal was a brilliant finish. The last the last goal for, for Hamcam. But, um, I mean, Viking, <laughs> I, I, mean, I can't believe that they scored seven goals. Fair play to them. Um, so it's, it, I think it may well look, we look back on it and we think it's a bit of a freak result, though. Um, and ultimately for Hamcam, yeah, they've got six points on the board, but it will fuel ammunition to the fire for those who did predict them to be bottom of the table this season. And of course, it's a concern. If a team concedes seven goals mentally, they can get a bit shot, can't they? But um, my, my initial reaction, without having seen the full 90, is I, I think we, we may just see this as one of those freak sort of exceptional games where Viking are not just suddenly a brilliant offensive team and Hamcam are not just suddenly a terrible defensive team either. Yeah, and it's always fun when there's uh, seven goals and seven different goal scorers on the on the team on the sheet. D'Agostino, Svensson, Bjorshol, Salverson, Patty Nama, Tripic penalty, and Tangan. Uh, that is quite a, a nice sort of looking um, scoreline, really, isn't it? It's very quite quite rare, I think, if you score seven goals that someone doesn't get two. And for Hamcam, Kirkwald, Norheim, and uh, Melgarvis, as you've mentioned there, uh, Steve. In terms of the table, Viking, they're fourth in the league. You were. You know, hitting you sort of had mixed mixed feelings with them in the preseason podcast. What are your thoughts on their start to the campaign? Obviously, that that win before that they had one win, one draw, one defeat. Um, you know, how are you feeling about Viking? Yeah, a lot better than I was in the preseason show. Um, I've actually been quite impressed with their defence. Sounds a bit weird now. They conceded three goals in a game, but I think their defence has looked pretty good in the first three. They've dug in deep when they needed to. Bracalo and uh, Stensnes especially look good. And, um, you know, now they're obviously scoring goals. Maybe I still think they're really, really hard to predict. Um, they, you're going to get all sorts. They're going to be like a bag of licorice all sorts. Um, Jonathan, they're going to be... You don't know what, what version of them you're going to get, but that's a huge... I mean, that sort of result can really lift anyone, can't it, when you hit just scored seven goals. So let's follow them with interest because that one the other thing, the two home games, the fans have really, really got behind the, the players. Like that that is quite an intimidating stadium when the fans are on their side and they've used that to the advantage really well. Yeah, my mum always said life is like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're gonna get. And it sounds like that's the case for Viking. Those are the words uh, not of me, but uh, of uh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> now uh, and now Viking as well, perhaps. Let's let's move on, Steve. I mean, we've got a ton of questions and I'm gonna try and get a few of them, uh, get a few answers from you. So we're going to move on to Glimpse, Steve. Uh, first question, Bothas uh, for SC. It's literally just come in, so you, you're lucky there. You get the first dibs. What happened to Buda in the cup? Uh, and are Lillestrom the real deal? Now, you've already talked about Lillestrom, but just what, what happened to, firstly, what happened to Buda in the cup? And then that ties into another quick question I have on uh, Glimpse, which is um, after Brand's performance away, to Glimp, do you think they might be contenders for Europe this season? Uh, and that's from Runner Paul one three eight one on Twitter at Runner Paul one three eight one. So yeah, let's move on to that game, Steve. What was I mean? That that looks like a, a bit of a juicy game. That two two. Yeah, I mean, it's another game. I'm not. I've not actually seen the full ninety minutes of it. Just the highlights of this one um, because I was on the cricket field while this was going on on Saturday. But um, Pellegrino quite... two goals. Uh, mm. Finner, Jensen, Vasberg. Um, in a 2-2 draw. Yeah, and from what I saw of it and from what I saw the metrics of the game, I was a bit surprised. I actually thought Buda Glimp would do a job on them, to be honest. I thought they'd give Brand a bit of a lesson. But I think Brand, for a good hour here, were a lot, lot better than I expected. And, um, you know, fair play to Brand. It's probably the first time they've really surprised me in that sort of way. I did say in the preseason show that, that they will have a lot of momentum in the first half of the season, though. Um, and, but I think at some point, their lack of squad, squad depth will we'll come back to bite them a little bit and teams will figure them out. So I think long-term, I, I just can't see them being a title challenger or anything like that. But, um, you know, at the moment, they're, they're not a team you want to be facing, Brand, because they're full of confidence. They really are. And Glimt had to really dig deep here to get 
you know avoid defeat. And, you know, Pellegrino is an absolutely crucial player, and he can produce something for them in, in crucial moments. And that that's a big point for them actually. In terms of what went wrong in the cup, I think it's the first real time they faced a, a good a good team this season. It was also the first time they were on natural grass. Just before you sort of uh, yeah, sorry, answer yeah. that question, sorry. What what was the actual score in that cup cup semi final? Yeah, Lillestrom won, Budaglim nil. So you know, Thomas Len Olsen was the goal scorer, I think, just before half time. And you know, they really shut out Budaglim really well, actually. It's a tough place to go, grass pitch, semi final. I think Glimt, I've, I've been looking back, and I think Glimt have a problem when they have to play more than two games in a week. I really do. I, I think if you look back the two seasons that he won the title, um, 2020 was a COVID year where I think they only had one European game. It was against AC Milan, that was it. And then the next year, it was they were knocked out of Champions League qualifying fairly early, so they had an easier run of, of, of fixtures. Even then, in the mid-season, they struggled a little bit. I think they've got problems when... The, the way that they play Sheffield Clemson plays, they use a lot of energy up, you know, they press a lot, and I think they're much better suited when they've got a full seven days preparation. They're obviously a lot better suited to artificial surfaces. So I think it just it was it was a game too too far for them against Lillestrom. A little bit of a concern because you know they really had looked unbeatable <laughs> until that point. But now, you know, they've faced two tough teams in Buda Glimpt and Bran, and maybe they're not as special as, as we think they are at this point in time. So, yeah, suddenly there's a couple of question marks about Budaglim. They've now got odds in the midweek round on, on Wednesday. Um, so, or is it, you know, Tuesday, I think it is actually, something like that. Um, no, it's a Wednesday match, isn't it? But, um, you know, if they, you'd expect them to come through that. But if they drop points again, then, yeah, suddenly there, there's a lot more question marks there. But I, I think they're the sort of team that do need like a full week of prep to be at their best now, Jonathan. Is Amal Pellegrino the best player in the league? I mean, he's got two goals there, ninety-third minute equaliser, brilliantly taken. Is he? You uh, were you were pretty critical of him a couple of seasons ago, I remember. Um, is he the best player in the league? Yeah, I mean, he's technically the technically the best player in the league. Let's just say that. I think there was a time when he did miss some easy chances, to be honest. <laughs> and I think he still does. He's he's almost more dangerous on the, the, the when it's harder to score. He can just pluck a goal from nowhere. He really can. And I think his influence on the field is massive as well. He's like a he's a bit like a quarterback in, in NFL terms. He seems quite intelligent. He, he directs players where to be in that final third. You know, so clever to have someone on the field like that. It really is. Um, reminds me a little bit of uh, what Kieran Trippier does at Newcastle in a way. That sort of leadership. And um, yeah, I mean, best player in the league. Yeah, he's right up there in the conversation, isn't he? For sure. Certainly technically, I don't think you can get many better than him at all yeah and uh it's a you know like you said it's an interesting times for glim they're, they're doing okay but obviously a few one or two issues there to maybe keep an eye on that you've you've just highlighted uh we will move on now um and just want to let's talk about uh this massive win for um well massive defeat for arlison there's been a bit of rumblings hasn't there steve i think uh this week and they've been beaten four nil by Sandyfield, we did have a question actually about Sandyfield. Uh, I won't go into it too much, but DM Punk says uh, DR, DRKMTCH on Twitter. Um, it's pretty much, he says Sandyfield is in southern Norway, but it's pretty much north of everywhere else in the world and not the easiest for grass in April. Um, not going to get into a discussion about pitches because this question is basically about pitches, but does that have any impact on this game? This 4 0 win? Yeah. Well, let's yeah. Win talk about Alisson. Yeah, quite frankly, Arlison are a mess right now. They, I've got them wrong in the season preview. I I would have put them in the bottom three had it not been for that Atanga signing, and I've been duped on him. I know we're only four games in, but I think he's going to be a flop already. I'm writing him off. Um, something's not right there. If he was that good, he'd be tearing. It'd be he's not even been starting some games, so something's wrong there. Maybe they can get a potential manager in who will get the most out of him. But I've got, I think I've got Arlison wrong. There's huge pressure. There's a lot of rumours going around that Lazar Nilsson um, is about to be sacked as the Arlison manager. Now, this would be the first elite Assyrian sacking since, I don't know when, actually. <laughs> there wasn't a single sacking last Over year. Over a year. Yeah, we're talking a good, what, 18 months probably. And, you know, it's, it might seem premature. We're four games in. But um, the, the thing with Lazar and Nilsson, you know what you're going to get with him. It's a pragmatic approach. But when that doesn't work, 
his teams do not offer much else. And I think that's what the the, the Allison fans, the media are saying that they're gonna they need to maybe change something up to try and unlock some of the attacking potential in the team. But they haven't scored a single goal yet, Jonathan. Um, you know, they've lost every game, you know, zero nine goal difference. We look at the teams they faced. You know, Buda Glimp, we'll, we'll let them off that one. But the other teams, like Sanderfjord, Godset, Volarenga, those are winnable games. And it's been incredibly worrying how toothless they've been. Um, you know, they do have the second worst XG in the league, so they're not unlucky or anything. And at the other end of the field, you know, defensively, they've not looked great either. So they've got this midweek game against Mulder. They're probably going to lose that game. Let's be honest, as bad, as poor as Mulder have been results-wise, they, they'll probably lose that game. And, you know, then they've got a decision to make over the manager, haven't they? Because the next match is at home to Harkerson the weekend. That is a crucial, already looks like a maybe a six-pointer for them. So worrying times for Allison, I must say. They need, I mean, would I replace Lazan and Nielsen? I don't know if I would at this point in time. It does feel harsh. He's done a good job there. But results are results. Yeah, and I guess uh, the bright side on the bright side for Harlison fans, if you'd have told them after four games they'd be one point behind Mulder, they probably would have uh, snapped your hand off. Uh, the sad thing is that Mulder are second bottom and uh, Harlison the bottom, so <laughs> maybe yeah, uh, maybe they maybe they wouldn't have taken it in hindsight, but uh, in four and foresight. But uh, yeah, no goal scored, nine conceded, four games, four defeats. Things are looking bleak for their manager, that's for sure. And a massive game uh, coming up in this midweek round. Uh, just in terms of the midweek games, we do have Glimp Odd. Uh, we have Mulder, Arlison, as you just mentioned there. And then we've got Rosenborg, Brand, Steve. Uh, now, that's going to be a, a bit of a tasty one. Um, one question, just very briefly. Don't want really too long an answer, because I think we should go into it in a bit more detail in the, in the, in the next show. But um, what is going on at Rosenborg? That's the question mm. from uh, more than one person, actually. But uh, Duckers, <clears throat> at Duckers84, what's up with Rosenborg this season? Can you try and keep it to a minute? They they lack um, offensive firepower at the moment. They're just not set up at the moment to get the best out of the attack. They're missing Kasper Tengstedt. Defensively, reasonably solid. Um, got a good nil-nil draw against Andre Hansen. Made an amazing late save in that, by the way, to get them a point. But they're just lacking um, you know, confidence offensively. And Bran are actually the, the bookmaker's favourites to win away against Rosenborg in midweek. That is how the tide has turned so much for these two clubs. It does feel like a bit of a short price, but um, at the moment, I think you've got to look at Brand winning because at the moment they're, they're far better offensively than Rosenborg. Good stuff. I think that's pretty much going to be it. We do have one other little thing. Um, BDIs of the scouts have been flocking to, uh, flocking to Norway, Steve, for a certain goalkeeper. Now, we'll talk about we'll talk about it a little bit in part two as well, but uh, just just tell us what exactly has gone on here, um, or if you want, I can tell you. Yeah, you you can actually explain this one, I think. Yeah, I'll explain it because I sent you the message, isn't it? I think uh, quite a popular Twitter account that that seems to follow scouts around, uh, but apparently, according to um, one Twitter account, and there's a picture there. I think it's from uh, Tor Henrik Stensland. Uh, who is a sports journalist in Norway. He says that there was a scout from Manchester United in the game uh, yesterday, or in the game at the weekend, sorry, between Odd and Rosenborg on Sunday. And reportedly, and it's come out in a lot of reports now in Norway, so it seems to be more than one. Obviously, as I said, I think I said it on the Tend to Watch show, that, you know, the scouts at almost every game from these big clubs, you know, to be honest, it's, you can't read too much into it. But it seems to have been a lot of reports um, on this one particularly that maybe have a little bit more credence to them that they were there to watch Leopold Wallstedt, uh, the goalkeeper. Now, someone that you've spoken about a lot on this podcast, Steve, I just want to get your reaction to that and your, your, your thoughts because Manchester United maybe, you know, could be looking for a keeper in the summer. Well, it doesn't surprise me that scouts are at this game um, because uh, there's other good talents on the show, not just Wallstedt. But look, this goalkeeper is catching the eye. Look, he turned down a move to Buda Glimt in the winter. Um, preferring to see out the rest of his deal, one-year deal left with with, um, with Odd, or potentially in the summer might move on. I think that might actually look like a good decision for him if he's attracting scouts from from huge clubs in Europe. Because 
Look, I've said for a while this goalkeeper's on a massive upward trajectory. Um, I mean, they've kept four clean sheets in a row. Odd. They've um, they've drawn three matches nil-nil. But they're one of the very few teams that I actually watch with low-scoring games. And I quite like watching their matches. They're, they're decent watches. And I'm like, well, why is there not many goals scored in, in, in odd games? And a lot of the reason is because of Auschwitz. Some of the stuff he comes with, he actually wasn't really tested against Rosenborg much. But against Sarpsborg the previous week, he was making save after save, exceptional save. His reflexes are, are, are second to none, really, certainly in Norway. And that is the fundamental strength of this keeper. His reflexes, command of area is getting a lot better. Um, and when you've got that, that natural talent, then you are going to attract scouts, aren't you? Especially, he won't cost a lot of money. So... Yeah, I think it's obviously certain that he's going to be leaving this region within the next 12 months. It's just a question of where and when. Leopold Valstead, and we will talk a little bit more about him in part two, so uh, stay tuned. He is actually Swedish, isn't he, Steve, I believe? So uh, it's, it's yeah. apt that we, we talk a little bit more about him in, in part two when we move to Sweden, uh, which we will do after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan Faduba. And it's interesting we were talking about uh, Leopold Valstedt there, back end of the uh, part one. It reminded me of the uh, the 10 to watch list that I had last year. And, and for me personally, I think he's been the one that I'm particularly proud of from that list because uh, he's delivered, he's improved his game so much in the last 12 months. And uh, I was really pleased to sort of cotton on to him early and uh, I can actually reveal to listeners now, you might have seen it tweeted out, we have done our 10 to watch lists this year now for both Elita Sarian and Alsvenskan. It is available to all uh, top tier Patreon subscribers. I'd like to take a moment to thank all those who have supported us over the last year or two and beyond in that uh, respect. But uh, yeah, the two Patreon lists are now out there on um, uh, for the 10 to watch and there's some really great cracking names on those lists both episodes are an hour each so there's loads of juicy content well worth you taking a look at that now jonathan last year's tend to watch this who who was your favorite do you think from from yours in in Alsvenskan? yeah and before answering that yeah just thank you so much to everyone who supported us on patreon by the way we do have for the lower tier subscribers the weekly show weekend preview shows weekly shows fantasy discussions and we do also say on the Patreon, if you want a shout out, then, you know, you, you're entitled to it. So if you do actually, we try, you know, just for privacy reasons, we don't want to just name everybody. But of course, if you do want a shout out, send us a DM or send us a message on Twitter. We will be happily give you a shout out as one of our loyal supporters, um, as we promised to. Uh, but yeah, Steve, uh, Tend to Watch is always one of my favorite parts of this show. Uh, it was great to record it with you last week. And I think from last season, just looking through my list, um, both of them, by the way, are, are 2022 10 to watches are now available on YouTube if you want to go back and watch those. But uh, they were recorded obviously a year ago. Um, but of the 10 of those, I think William Swedberg probably will be the most successful one. You know, getting that sort of four or five million euro move to uh, to sell to Vigo from from Hammerby. It's not really worked out for him. You know, as it, as it tends to be difficult for a players that young to adapt to such a new league. It's difficult to get minutes. Um, you know, Steve, every week I seem to look for Benjamin Negro and how he's getting on and he's on the bench at Norseland these days, you know, can't even get a game. I'm just thinking how long is it before he returns to maybe EF core? They could do with him up front for sure. Um, you know, he got his big move and it's never really worked out. He's been to different clubs and he's getting closer and closer back to, to Sweden really now in terms of his career moves. Um, and yeah, well, Swedberg, I did see a few rumors linking him to Ajax this week. So I don't know exactly what's going on there, but just in terms of success, he would be the one that I would point out and say, yeah, I was really happy with. I think on that 2022 list as well, Aman Romeo, he started to look quite good for Hacken this season. So um, the 2023 versions are out now on Patreon. Of course, it's for the top tier patrons. Um, we tend to get a lot of scouts and people working within football who, who like that section. So go and have a little look if you want on patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. Steve, it was a really good weekend for some of the names on that list, wasn't it? I saw some of the players that you selected. Uh, one of them got, I believe, two goals and two assists and a goal, maybe. Uh, one of mine did really well this week, so we're not going to name them. 
but your 10 is available there, your 20 in total, if you want to um, know the best talents in Scandinavia, the new Leopold Wildstead, the new um, Williams Wedbergs. Steve, before we just go back to Sweden, I just wanted to ask you on Wildstead. Uh, obviously, as Manchester United uh, follower, um, we do need a keeper. We do need someone who can maybe distribute the ball. He's, on that 10 to watch episode you mentioned, I think we talked about it on that show, on the, on the which is available on YouTube now for free. We did say that he's quite good off his line as well. Um, he comes out and he's quite proactive. Um, is he good with his feet? You said he's quite good with his feet as well, because that's an area the Haya maybe lacks in a little bit. I don't, that's that's the question mark that I think remains, because odd of, are not known for being this high possession team. And um, I think I did a piece on Varshtet last year, and the goal kicks that he's asked to do there are more on the direct side. So, you know, I don't think Man United are wanting that from a goalkeeper either. They are wanting someone that's strong on the ball, you know, like an Allison, like an Edison sort of thing. So, but we don't know. I think that's the the, the ultimate answer here. But that's something. I think needs to be found out a little bit more. Would he? I mean, the problem is moving straight directly to say Man United could be a little bit problematic. There'd need to be loans out. I think, you know, you talk about um, you know Swedberg there, and you were looking at other minutes of players that have moved away from Alsvenskan. A couple of examples I just want to quickly talk about, and we will go into our Svenskan section. Kasper Tengstedt, seven million signing for Benfica, directly from Rosenborg. Guess how many minutes he's played in the top division in Portugal since he's arrived in in January. Well, give me a, well give I was me watching a, a um, Benfica game a couple of about a week or so ago, and he, he he didn't. I don't think he even got off the bench. He was about to come on, I think, in the 89th minute. 22 minutes since he's come, and he's not been injured. He's been on the bench several times. He's probably got a bunch of splinters in his ass, hasn't he? Um, but then you look at someone else. I was seeing a tweet recently about Frederick Orshnes, who Feyenoord signed from Molde in August 2021. Benfica signed him a year later. Um, for 13 million. And I mean, apparently Orsnes has been one of their best players this season for Benfica. Like he's been like a Swiss army knife to them. He's been absolutely sensational. And, you know, when he was in Norway, we knew he was a good player, but we didn't really see him at this sort of level. I just wonder that the middle club, the better move is maybe to somewhere like the Dutch league or the Belgian league. And then you move somewhere else afterwards where you're ready for the next level. And I think we look at Valstedt now, Maybe it's a bit different for a keeper because they're not he's not going to become directly the number one Man United starter, is he? From odd to Man United. That just doesn't happen. It just can't happen. So, you know, he would have to be loaned out somewhere for a year or two, get that match experience, and then he can come back again. I just think it just is a real example of them two players. Career progression and plans and which club stepping stones you move is massive. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I think um I think I can't remember exactly, but the game I was watching, Benfica needed a goal, and I was thinking, bring on Tengstead, and you only got about a minute or so. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. In terms of keepers, you know, United at the moment have Jack Butland and uh, and Tom Heaton and players like that. So, I think, you know, that probably be an upgrade to the, to the bench, but, you know, do you want to be on the bench at this point in time in your career if you're doing so well? So, that's probably the question mark. But let's let's maybe uh, pick that up another day. If you do want to watch those, look at those 10 to watches, patreon.com slash Podcast. Of course, we really appreciate every single patron and any support you give. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Um, now we are going to move on to our Svenskan, finally. And um, I saw a tweet that you put on the uh, on the NFP account uh, a couple of days ago about Malmo. Five games, five wins, the fans are dancing. You questioned, are Malmo FF back in business? Uh, so... Are you convinced by this start from them? Faultless 100% record so far. Um, I'll come to the table after this, but I feel Malmo is the place to start. Everyone's talking about them, um, the resurgence and uh, Nick Ridstrom. Yeah, I think they, well, someone replied to that tweet, I think on Twitter saying they never left. So I think we did get a few Malmo supporters uh, following us after that. Oh, Hold on, they were down in like 15-10th, weren't they? Well, exactly, exactly. That was the... Uh, that was what I was thinking, but um, to be fair, they've they've been fantastic this season so far, and uh, you have to give them all the credit. Uh, five games, five wins. They've they've looked imperious in every game. And, you know, sometimes do you? There's teams where, you know, you probably have your favourites in Norway that you you enjoy tuning into watch, and then there's other teams where you sort of maybe you sort of hold your nose before you sit down to watch their ninety minutes. And um, uh, without any disrespect to Malmo, I think they're always quite entertaining to watch. But I think the football at times last season was a little bit, you know. 
if if a different team's playing, I might maybe tune into them. But this season, they've been first on my list maybe to watch uh, the Reedstrom project. He's been he's been a brilliant manager for the league. To be honest, if he ever does move on, I think which I think he eventually will, um, it'll be it'll, it'll be sadly missed because the ability to transfer your philosophy from to three different clubs, I think is is really really admirable. Um, he's taken you know serious and and they had the highest possession I think in the league or joint second highest. He's moved to Kalmar. They had the highest possession in the league last season. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying. And he's moved to, uh, they did in fact, yeah, higher, just 0.3% higher than Malmo, according to our partners, Y Scout. And now he's moved to Malmo and they've got the best ball position in the league at this moment in time. So, um, you know, the ability to translate that, Steve, it tells you a lot. And I saw someone say that it's basically like watching Kalmar with better players, <laughs> which um, it almost basically is at the moment, Malmo. The possession style that they play is still there. Um, I've seen him experimenting with formations. He's played three at the back and he's played four at the back. Um, but instead of sort of like, with no disrespect to, to, to Kalmar, you know, they've got very good players as well, to be honest. But when you've got players like Hugo Larson, Christiansen, uh, Pena, although he's had a few controversies of late, um, Busanello, uh, you know, Tinnerholm, and then you've got Keita Tellin just absolutely on fire at the moment, banging a hat-trick against Hammerby as he did. Taha Ali on the wing, you know, Nanasi. They've just got a wealth of talent, Stephen. They're looking really, really good at the moment. And, um, are Malmo back? Well, maybe they never left, but one thing's for sure, they're definitely back to the top of the table. They are top of the table on 15 points after five games. I'm actually going to read the some of the table here. Hecken are on 12 points, Elfsborg in third on 10, uh, joined with Kalmar, Norshipping and Mialby round up the top six. At the bottom of the table, EFK Yotaborg on one point, uh, IE Core are on four, and Sirius and Varberg are on the same number of points there. Mid-table, at the moment, only for the likes of Yoga and Hammerby. So, I mean, right now, um, I mean, it looks to me like there's two very, very good teams in this league, and that is the defending champions, Hecken and Malmo. It, it could well be a, if, if Hecken keep it up, maybe a, 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 do, um, a title battle between those two. But, uh, I mean, you did say they brought in the best manager that they could have. Um, it was available within, within the country. And at the moment, I mean, he's making it look fairly easy they're controlling games he's getting the most out of Isaac Kizatelin who gotta be honest has been a fantasy must hasn't he I think for those who've been sleeping on him who weren't convinced by him have been well they're, they're, they've definitely missed out in terms of Alsvenskan uh, fantasy this season but um, it seems his style of play is really suiting that striker in particular he's just getting into positions where he can he can finish his chances so that's a that's a massive plus as well yeah, Keith Dennis was fantastic. I mean, he's the one getting on, on the end of the chances and they've got Stefano Vecchia. He's coming into form. He's done quite well in recent weeks. If he's not playing, they can play Taha Ali. As I mentioned, he scored a fantastic goal um, in, in their previous match coming off the bench. And, and and if you've not seen that, I think we tweeted it as well. It was a brilliant strike. Um, in terms of the game itself, the Hammerby game, it was a 4-2 win. They were 3-0 up um, in the first half. It was pretty comfortable. And I think Hammerby... Yeah, you know, there's going to be a few worries about them. I mean, Marty Tafuentes in his interview post-match, he looked, he looked, he looked crestfallen. To be honest, he did not look happy. Uh, we had a comment from um, a Mama fan, I believe, Nick Obino, Nick Nielsen Bean. Uh, he said, as an MFF fan, I thought Nalic was very good today. Shame he's left, as when he's focused, he's a very talented player. And Nalic did get a goal back for Hammerby, um, as did Yukanovic. Um, it was a, uh, you know, it ended four-two, of course. Nalic refused to celebrate against his former club, but it was a real shame how it ended for Nalic because he was uh, he was a, he was really highly thought of at Malmo. Um, came through their youth system and and um, was a very talented player actually. He, he he had a really bad injury that kept him out for a year, and then he's moved on to Hammerby. Came off the bench. He's not quite managed to get even in the Hammerby team yet, but uh, he showed his quality. I think that yeah, you, you mentioned the title. I think it's at the moment it's looking like a two horse race, and that's what I said in preseason. I said, I think it's going to be between Hacken and Malmo. And my feeling was that Hacken in the Champions League or wherever they end up in Europe, uh, whether it's even Conference League or wherever, um, that could be a problem for their squad. Malmo don't have that distraction. They're not in Europe. And I think that's going to be massive for them because they're just playing that one game a week. And you look at the Premier League, Stephen, I've been thinking this earlier, you know, I think it was the year that Chelsea didn't qualify for the champ for Europe at all. And I think, I believe I'm right at saying the year after that, Conte won the league. Yeah, um, you're absolutely you look right. At Arsenal in the last few years, they've had no Europe. And then this year, the title challenges. Uh, I know they've been in the Europa League this season, but 
you know, they've had that time to rebuild playing one game a week. Just Arteta, just also, any manager having a week to put in their ideas. You know, and you look at if you look at some of the teams at the moment, you know, low teams like Chelsea, could Chelsea maybe next season be really good? Because they're going to have one game a week with that squad to basically, whoever they get, just work on the training ground. Whereas if you look at someone like Manchester United played 64 games a season or whatever it's going to be, hardly any time at all to, to work on philosophies and tactics. And I think with Riesstrom, he's got the ability to be on that training ground for the next week. Okay, it's a midweek round, but you know what I mean. Training every day, inputting that philosophy. Whereas, you know, when it gets to the summer, you're going to have Hacken in, the, in, in Europe. You're going to have, you know, other teams in Europe. Um, I think even, well, Mialbi potentially could be even in Europe. So um, you're going to have those challenges for those other teams. And I think that's the advantage Malmö are going to have, really. They, they, they just look so strong at the moment. And the fans are happy. Everything's just going right for them. Yeah, and this is why I said in the pre-season show, I actually think they'll win the league by 10 or, 10 or more points because they've got so many advantages in their favour. Hecken, of course, have got the Swedish Cup final to look ahead to as well. And um, by the way, I must say, uh, you, I, I get your point about Chelsea there, but whoever is in charge of them, is going to have about 120 players, aren't they, to train that week? So I know this is not the English Premier League show, but uh, yeah, I think Henrik Rydstrom's a little bit more um, uh, happy that he's got a more streamlined squad than at Stamford Bridge. But totally right, he can. They can focus entirely on the league, and you know, the talk of an. I'm not saying they're going to go invincible or anything, but I don't see them losing many games of football considering the squad that he's got at his disposal. But Hecken, you're right, I do look a unit. They've got a lot of goals in them right now. And you are going to be fortunately uh, enough to take them in live this week. You are on a trip to Gothenburg. Um, you're going to take in two games, I do believe, Hecken against uh, Jorgarten and EF Core. Maybe you can be a lucky omen for EF Core against Degaforge. So uh, very excited. I know you're about going out there. Um, you're going with all the gear, NFP, Press pass credentials, the lot. There's going to be a bunch of secret, well, not secret recordings. You're going to be hopefully getting some interviews done. Who knows? But most importantly, you're going to go out there and witness, you know, these these teams in the flesh, um, live football. I'm sure you're looking forward to it very much. Yeah, if anyone's uh, in Gothenburg and listening to the show, uh, if you're here this week, then give me a shout. I'm, I'm, I'm up for a coffee. I'm up for a beer. Uh, we had a good response, actually. I've been invited to, I think, a pre-match party yeah, for the hacking game against Diff, so uh, I have no idea where it is, but I'm going to try and find it. Um, and I've connected with a couple of people, actually, who DM me, so that, that's great. And if you want to, uh, Twitter at JFFootballFUTBR, I'll be about. Um, really looking forward to hacking Jurgarden. Obviously, that's going to be a massive game. Jurgarden not really having a great season. We haven't talked about them much. I don't think we're going to talk about them much this week either because there's not much to write home about, beaten by Degafors. But um, EF Core, Degafors, you know, I watched the EF Core North Shipping game and it was a one-all draw. I, I've got a sneaky feeling I might be there for their first win of the season. Um, so, you know, who knows? But I uh, could be, like you say, a lucky omen. Uh, and for the Hacking game, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of their talents. Like you say, mm. maybe it's a two-horse race. Uh, they they looking strong. Um, they've had a few injuries, but they've still dealt with them. You know, they've had Gustafsson now injured. They've had Sadiq out injured and they're still kind of pulling up other talents that can come in. Udenas has been on, on good form. So, yeah, I think that's going to be a really exciting game. And let's see, can they handle playing a bit, you know, another big boy? Because they were quite good in the big games last year. So let's let's see if they can continue that. Um, I know that uh, the manager was was away. I think he was ill for a couple of games. He wasn't even on the touchline, but they're still keeping that form. But yeah, I'm really I'm really excited. Obviously, you know, you've got that, you know, um, pre-travel nerves and all that. But uh, once I'm on the plane and out there, I'm, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to getting back to Gothenburg. It's been uh, many a year. I think I need a couple of stiff drinks before I go on a, on a plane, uh, Jonathan. I'm a, a bit of a Dennis Burkamp uh, down the years, although I am back in the air this summer. Um, so hopefully I can uh, kick on from that run and get myself out of Scandinavia myself, either back into this year or next year. But um, you know, I'm really interested when, when you go out there, um, gauging the sort of mood in the city, the footballing city of, of Gothenburg, which is huge, of course, especially with you know the, the big traditional team biggest supported team, EF Core, struggling so badly. And Hecken, you know, defending champions, doing so well. And, you know, some of their other big teams down there, I think Super N these days. So I'm really interested to see how, you know, the mood of the city, footballing-wise. It's going to be, it's gonna be maybe a, even a different dynamic compared to when you were last there. Oh, the dynamic's completely changed. I mean, the, the whole the whole city's been flipped upside down. Hacken, Hacken are the champions of Sweden. Yeah. 
I mean, that's like, you know, uh, if you told me that six years, well, you know, we had the interview with um, with his former sporting director, Sonny Carson, and he said that, you know, that the aim is to win the league, but no one really believed it. If you told me uh, when we started this podcast, how can the next time I go back to Gothenburg, how can we be champions? And the EF Koyotobo will be in the relegation zone. I'd have probably laughed in your face. But really, that's the trajectory of the two teams. It's been on merit. Um, Hacken have been phenomenal this last few years. Uh, and EF Core haven't at the end of the day. They've just announced a new technical director, I believe, um, who will come in uh, now. There's a lot of talk about uh, Stefan Bilborn maybe being the next manager. Uh, so someone from your turf. I know he's previously at Hammerby, but uh, he's quite strongly linked now to the manager's job. So there's, there's, again, it's all changed in the city of Gothenburg. And I will be interested to gauge the mood. I know for a fact that how can, you know, everybody knows that they're dancing, that, you know, they didn't expect to win the league and they're justifying it this season. They've, they've, they've still look really good this year. You know, they don't look like they're just one season wonder. Um, and although Malmo are now starting to look like really strong, Hacken will give them a bit of a title challenge. So, And as for EF Core, as I say, haven't won a game yet. This, this was the first goal they've scored all year. Um, in this game against North Shopping. So, you know, they really have been struggling and um, I'm expecting it to be a totally different mood. But uh, EFQ, ultimately, they do have that kind of backing behind them. Uh, I think that, I think I saw there's about 14,000 tickets sold for this game against Degafors. So um should be a good atmosphere in a midweek game. I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to be attended. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you out there. I wish you the, the safest of travels. Hope you enjoy yourself out there you belt out the EF core anthem when it comes um going it's about the only thing you've got to cheer at the moment um are you are you in the cop end at the EF core or are you on I'm the, the scouts I'm in the scouts area my friend I thought you would be I thought you would be but um yeah you can get some some good footage in there and I say I'll be taking enjoy. notes we've enjoy. got one of our tenter, one of our ten to watch will be playing so I'll be uh without revealing our ten to watch this year there's one player that will uh I'll be t- taking notes on so uh get on that patreon.com and uh, you can see who it is. Let's move to another city, um, Stockholm. And um, fair to say, none of their teams right now in in our Svenska are doing particularly well. Although, shout out to Bromma Poikina, which is in that region, isn't it? Two wins in a row for them. But, um, you know, Jorgarten, seven points. Hammerby, six. Aikor in the relegation zone uh, right now. I mean, I'm just... If, I know you've got plenty to say about Aikor. But let's just first of all start with with Hammerby because they've lost now they've, they've lost three games all away from home all what you class as really big games Hecken three one we talked about that they lost uh, in the derby to Icor two nil and then they've lost four two to to Malmo okay on on their own three defeats which yeah they're not shocking places to lose but I've got a feeling. I think you've been a bit disappointed with their performances, haven't you? In those games, you think, yeah, you know, there's some people saying this season, can they take that step up and and really challenge these teams in, in the massive games? At the moment, they're falling short massively, and defensively, it's been the big problem. Well, yeah, if you look at Stockholm, it's not not great at the moment, really. They they're struggling. I mean, Oikor haven't had a good, really recent run of form. Um, Interestingly enough, both both Hammerby and Oikor are top three in the list of ball possession in the league. So they are they're sort of retaining the ball, but they're just leaking goals and they're not really, you know, they're not really looking great from that point of view. Hammerby have got the second worst XG in the league, uh, and they've already conceded ten. And and you know, if you if you really in preseason, I wasn't convinced by them. I think the balance of the squad is just a little bit. It feels like a year too early. Sifuentes in his comments after the match against Hammerby, uh, sorry, Malmo said he, you know, that this is a project and he wants to stick around and he was like saying, judge us in November. And that's what I said in the preseason show with Hammerby. That it is a project and it feels a bit like they're just dri- they're driven by sales rather than really performances. And I, th- I feel like they're a little bit, um, they're a little bit sort of uh, wet behind the ears at this team at the moment. They're a bit, bit too much youth maybe. Um, and not maybe enough experience. Basara missed the game, of course. Uh, I think a lot of fantasy, Osvenskan fantasy players would be disappointed with that one. He he had a bit of an injury. Um, and they're currently eighth in the table. You look at AK, as you say, one win. Um, they their their issues also come down to recruitment, in my opinion. You know, they they've they've bought the wrong players. Um, their manager has really I think there's a brewing, I think there's brewing player unrest there, if I'm being honest. There's been Victor Fisher hasn't been a good signing. 
um, reportedly couldn't play on certain pitches and maybe artificial surfaces. He's been a big money move and hasn't really done much. Jimmy Dermas, he's come with a big reputation. And there's been a lot of uh, post-match press conference comments about those players from the manager. And, you know, Steve, this is maybe a case of sometimes, do you get a manager where, is it a bit David Moyes at Manchester United, where you've got massive players, but a manager that is maybe a little bit inexperienced at actually dealing with such a big club? Now, no disrespect to him, I, you know, I think he, he's good, but I, I've got to be honest, I, I see a little bit of a glazed look in his eyes in the press conferences. He just, like, the the media are sort of picking at this club, AOK at the moment. There's a lot of questions about their transfers, why they signed certain players, um, agent fees, why they're paying sort of eight, various agents this money. And I just feel like he hasn't got a grip on the whole club yet as an organisation. And a lot of the questions are about the recruitment. You know, why aren't you playing Dermas? Why aren't you playing Fisher? Why aren't you playing? And then the players themselves make a comment saying, like, I'm not happy not playing. And, and when that happens, Steve, that player unrest, you're in a bit of trouble, really. Um, obviously, they got a draw against Sirius, finally got a clean sheet. Um, but, and of course, they won the Stockholm derby, which was a massive win for them. And they, they needed that result, really. But losing to Varnamo, of course, losing at home to North Shopping, losing to Halmstad, just feel like, the club is a little bit, you know, Guidetti's back, which is which is really good for them. And I do expect their form to pick up. But, you know, even if you look at the bench, Steve, against uh, against Sirius, you've got Fisher on the bench, came on at half-time. You know, you've got Farage, who's got a sort of big reputation behind him. He came from um, Levante. You've got Dermas, as I mentioned, came off for three minutes. You know, some big money player like that's coming in for three minutes. It's not a good sign of recruitment, is it? So my, my, my gut feeling with these two clubs is they, they've got the recruitment not exactly spot on in the in the winter and I think they're paying for it at this moment in time and I think they've got work to do in the summer window so I think I think for both of them it's a case of can you get to summer I mean Steve just before we move on um I read a comment earlier saying that Antonio Cholak's available by made available by Rangers now if I'm ARK or Hammerby I'm 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 battering that door down if I'm Hammerby I'm I'm doing I'm I'm walking to Scotland uh to get Cholak because that is exactly what Hammerby need right now um yeah, it's an absolute no-brainer from my point of view. Both of those clubs should do anything they can to sign him. That's the kind of player they need. Mm. Yeah, so d- difficult times for, for both them teams. Uh, just before we go, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, the couple of leaders in the fantasy leagues that we've got going in um, Elitarian Fantasy All-Stars. Dylan B leads the way with Maximal Auteur. Um, on 335 points each over in our Svenskan fantasy, the wonderfully named team, Victor Moses Lawn, um, from Ross Houston. Lovely, there, 356 points there. Um, you're doing quite well, you've got to be quite happy with your fantasy season so far, Jonathan. 18th in that league, 321 points, 11 clear of me, and sandwiched in between us, an old friend of the podcast, an old friend of me, me and you. Sam Hart on 312 points. It's just like the old days looking at that league table, mate. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've had a decent start, but you're definitely on my coattails. And uh, who knows, I might be might be seeing Sam Hart. So uh, watch this space. I might see him in Gothenburg. But um, yeah, just before we actually go as well, I mean, fantasy, uh, I think you've got to have Keith Tell at the moment. Uh, he's been my captain since day one and he's doing quite well. Not, not since day one, actually, but he's been my captain recently. Um, but we've we've got a ton of questions, Steve. Um, I just want to say a th- massive thank you to everyone on on uh, on Twitter because uh, if you it, it would take you about a minute to go through our mentions today, Steve. Actually, we've, we had so many comments. Like I, I was looking for that comment from um, from Malmo about Nalich from the Malmo supporter, and I, I've been scrolling for about a minute trying to find it because uh, we've had so many comments today, so many questions. Um, there's one about Aker Adams and his ability. That's yeah, just coming from Joe Reed Scout. Um, so unfortunately, if you're not if you're listening to this now, sorry, we weren't, weren't able to get to it. Um, there's a ton of questions we haven't been able to get to, basically. But yeah, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to everybody who supported us on on um, on Twitter recently because we we've I think we've added about 600 followers um, in about three weeks. So um, yeah, thank you to everybody for all the questions. We'll try and get to some of them maybe next week. But if you don't get your question asked, then you can always tweet again. Um, we will, of course, answer them either on the Patreon show or on the um, on the next uh, podcast that we do. So, yeah, just wanted to uh, touch on that as well. Yeah, I just looked, actually. There's so many if you look at it. 
that, that, that has uh, even while we've been recording live. I mean, half of these questions have been added when we're recording live. I actually don't have access to the NFP Twitter on my current browser. For some reason, I got uh, logged out of it and got deleted. So I need to add it back on my browser. I'm just looking on my phone now. Yeah, I mean, I, for those that we haven't answered, and we have hopefully answered some, even without mentioning the people here. But uh, I, I'll do my best to answer the ones on actually on Twitter for the ones that have been about Norway that weren't uh, touched upon. But yeah, I'd really appreciate anyone, all you guys getting in touch. I hope you've been enjoying the shows this year. Um, I'm sure uh, everyone's really enjoyed, um, you know, that we're back here with a more regular update uh, of, of recent times. But we've had a lot on our, on our plate recently. Watch out for more content um, from from Sweden, maybe directly this week. Um, certainly coming into you know next week as well. There's loads of action going on. We're heading right into the into the crunch of the uh, the Scandinavian seasons. Yeah, and I will be trying to record as much as possible. So keep an eye on the Twitter and Nordic Football. We may have one or two exclusives and also the YouTube channel, uh, Nordic Football Podcast. Go and subscribe to that because uh, we're, we're going to have more content on there this season. And just finally, to answer one question I've seen just on the timeline at Scooby Man, um, he says, is it, I hopefully I've answered the AOK question anyway. But in terms of will they struggle this whole season, I think they. I think the return of Guadetti is going to help them a lot. Um, as, I, as I just mentioned, I think that they really need Guadetti, to be honest. And he's missed every game so far this season, apart from the one just just, just recently played. So his return is going to be a massive boost. Um, but it does raise questions about some of the other players because Farage can't get in the team. As I mentioned, there's one or two others who can't get in the team. And I think that's a bit of an issue with AK, the squad management. So hopefully that answers your question there. But um, sorry to everyone that I couldn't answer the questions. I saw uh, one from uh, Wasson asking about EF Core. We'll answer that maybe after the Degelfors game. Right. Okay. Well, that'll be a wrap for this episode then, Jonathan. Um, thanks to anyone who listened. Appreciate you as always, uh, my friend. Uh, best of uh, luck out there. Have a great time in Sweden this week. And uh, I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Yep. Thanks a lot, everyone. And don't forget uh, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast if you want the weekend preview shows, which we had one last week, of course, and uh, and the predict- weekly predictions and fantasy t- chat as well, more fantasy chat. Uh, and of course, um, Twitter at Nordic Football if you want to ask us a question so yeah thanks so much for all your support and uh i'll see you out the, on the other side steve i'll have a few i'll have a beer on i'll have a beer in your memory mate. i'll be uh, i'll be thinking about you when the anthem comes on certainly will mate well take everyone we'll see you again very soon goodbye for now